Hello and welcome to the Woke is Broke podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joshua Stanko. And I wanted to start off today's episode with a little confession for you, I suppose. Um, I used to not be able to watch or read the news at all. I, I, I would just see what was going on in our country and just get deeply, deeply upset, deeply angry. I'd take it really personally. It would just eat me up. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really until I... Uh, began my journey back to my faith and uh, began the journey towards finding um, my calling, um, if you will, uh, doing the thing that, that, that I, I genuinely believe God is calling me to do, that um, that started to go away a little bit, that I was able to, to read the news and, and, and cover the news here and use the, use the talents and gifts that God's gifted me with to be able to, to, to bring it to you. Um, without, without taking it personally. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm passionate about the things that I talk about. If you watch the show, I, I, I've no doubt that you've seen, you know, that passion come out of me on, on particular topics. But you know, I'm able to to leave it here at the desk and not let it eat me up inside. Um, but every now and then, there are things that come out that are just so unbelievably shocking that you. You just kind of freeze, and you, and you have to wonder, are you dreaming? This is one of those times. This is one of those times. Um, according to Reuters, the Biden administration uh, is releasing a man who actively participated in the attack on the Twin Towers during 9-11. A man dubbed the the twentieth the twentieth hijacker of 9/11, Muhammad Mani Ahmed Al Qatani, 46, was transferred to his native Saudi Arabia after a, a review board determined in June that he no longer represented a significant threat to U.S. national security. The Defense Department said in a written statement. The Department of Defense press release stated on June 9, 2021, the periodic review board process determined that law of war detention of Mohammed Mani Ahmed Al-Qahtani was no longer necessary to protect against a continuing significant threat to the national security of the United States. Therefore, the PRB recommended that Al-Qahtani be repatriated to his native country of Saudi Arabia, subject to security and humane treatment assurances. Secretary of Defense Austin notified Congress of his intent to repatriate Al-Qahtani to Saudi Arabia. In consultation with our Saudi partners, we completed the requirements for responsible transfers. Now, according to NBC News, this guy will be receiving psychiatric care. His lawyers maintain that he has displayed symptoms of schizophrenia since a young age, and in 2002, an FBI official saw Al-Qahtani speaking to non-existent people, hearing voices, and crouching in a corner of his cell, covering himself with a sheet for hours. So this man, who attempted to enter the country uh, back in uh, 2001 to participate in the September 11th attacks, is being released from Guantanamo Bay by our Department of Defense and sent over to Saudi Arabia to receive psychiatric care. They say that he is no longer an active threat to America. And here's the thing, I do not care. I, honest to God, I do not care whether he is an active threat. I do not care whether he is crazy. We have talked about this on the show before, the idea that evil actions 
cease to be evil so long as the person who is committing them is insane and therefore deserves leniency is in and of itself an act of insanity. This man actively participated in an attack on our country that resulted in the death of 3,000 people. And yet, because he's been in prison for two decades, we're supposed to feel sympathy for him? Why? Why? There are a lot of people who should be alive today who aren't because of the people that this man aided and abetted. He's crazier saying what possible difference does that make? You can't take back the lives that were lost. You can't erase that act of evil aggression. And the time for the time for sympathy, the time for assistance for mental illnesses is well past when somebody participates in something like this. And you know, we talk about good, we, we, we talk about evil on this show a lot. And I know that as a as a Catholic, right, one of the thing one of the things that um that I struggle with more than anything is praying for people like Joe Biden, praying for people like Barack Obama, praying for the people who are currently running our country, praying that God forgive them for their sins, that they find redemption, that they seek to undo the harm that they have inflicted on our people. That is something I struggle with immensely. Because as a Christian, you are called to, yes, judge a person's actions, but the judgment of the heart is for God alone. And yet, I look to events like these, and I am hard-pressed to say that there is any goodness in the hearts of the people currently running our country. I look to what is happening. I look to the fact that people who participated in January 6th, who are still in jail, and who are being treated so poorly that they are actually committing suicide in jail. And meanwhile, the people who are running our country have decided that a man who participated in an action that resulted in the cold-blooded murder of 3,000 men, women, and children deserve leniency and sympathy. I am hard-pressed to look at these people and say that there is goodness in them or that redemption is possible. And that is something that I struggle with. Very much so. Insanity is no excuse. It does not justify the actions taken by this man. It does not mean that he deserves sympathy because once you cross that line, crazy or not, you have to be punished. You have to be punished. 
That is what justice demands. And the fact that our leaders seem so ready to side and show leniency and sympathy and aid for some of the most awesome scum in the history of the world while simultaneously punishing those in the right is disgusting and abysmal at best. The fact that Joe Biden has recently announced that he will ban oil from Russia, which is something that I have advocated for and I support, I support that action, that he will ban oil in Russia, punish them for what they're doing in Ukraine right now, but will then simultaneously advocate for the drilling of oil in Venezuela, a socialistic hellscape that has run that country into the ground to the point where people are eating dogs in the streets, that we will empower that nation because he refuses to drill oil on our own lands. The fact that while Russia is committing an unprecedented act of aggression against the Ukrainian people, that Joe Biden and his administration will actively work with the Russians to help achieve the Iran nuclear deal, to give nuclear capabilities to the number one funder of international terrorism, and will simultaneously go out and lie, lie, that his administration has had nothing to do in terms of holding back domestic energy production. Tell that to the 60,000 people who are currently unemployed in Pennsylvania, who used to work for the fracking industry. Tell that to the thousands of Americans and Canadians who were pissed when he laid down an executive order that cut off the Keystone XL pipeline. What is that if not domestic energy productions? The gall of these people who can look into the camera and look the American people in the eye and lie with a smile on their face while simultaneously empowering and siding with some of the most evil people in existence is astonishing at best. It is infuriating at best and it is something that I have a very difficult time leaving at this desk when the lights here go off. I don't know how to wrap my head around that. You know, I... I, I often am of the mind that, you know, you should never attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity. And make no mistake, Joe Biden is a very stupid man. He always has been. And there's no denying that he has suffered a severe mental decline in the last several years. But I am hard-pressed that stupidity alone could possibly achieve what they are actively doing in our government right now. Stupidity just, it just isn't enough. It just is not enough. Anyways, ugh. 
Let's move on, shall we? Okay, so Biden did announce that we will no longer purchase oil from Russia, and good on him for that, at the very least. Um, meanwhile, he is not looking at removing his executive order, shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. We're not going to reinstitute fracking or tap into our own oil reserves. He will, however, release 60 million barrels of oil from joint reserves, um, which is it's political grandstanding. It, it, it affects nothing. Do you know how much oil, how many barrels of oil the American people use on a day-to-day -day basis? It's something like 25, 30 million a day. Great. He has released two, two and a half days worth of oil for the American people. Whoop-de-frickin-do. Meanwhile, gas is at an all-time high in our country, surpassing what it was even under Obama, which is really, really hard to frickin' do. You know, and, and meanwhile, I'm talking about the gall of these people to go out and lie, Biden saying that, you know, when it comes to gas prices, he can't do much right now because it's Russia's fault. He actually said this. It's gonna go up. <laughs> can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. I wonder if you will, if you could, if you're watching us currently, if you're on listening to us um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you're kind of going to miss out on this. But I wonder if you could look to this chart for me here right now. There's where gas was at the beginning of Biden's presidency, right there around the beginning of the chart. And there's the Ukraine situation all the way on the right side. Are you noticing an upward trend that started immediately when Ukraine, the situation in Ukraine began? Or alternatively, was it that gas was like around $1.88, $1.90 in October of 2020, and now it's over four freaking bucks? It's almost like that started under Biden. It's almost like gas prices went up. And no, no, it wasn't because of Ukraine. I mean, the only way he could possibly stand in that, that claim is if he thinks it's 2021 and he was inaugurated like two months ago. Which is entirely possible when you listen to gibberish like this come out of his mouth. Barack and I think it's a right for people that bad in health care. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. There's a situation where there's an estimation of somewhere between 700 billion and a trillion, 300 million billion dollars. By the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so i learned about roaches i learned about kids jumping on my lap this man is dementia ridden absolutely but he's a damned liar i mean my god my god Oh boy, oh boy. Hello and welcome to Skid Mark of the Week, presented to you by the Woke is Broke podcast. This week, the skid mark goes to Saturday Night Live, a late-night comedy show featuring the comedic geniuses of an angry lesbian. 
An angrier lesbian. <laughs> Fat Albert. <laughs> Sam Kinison. The guy who hangs out by your child's playground. And the guy who rapes the guy who hangs out by your child's playground. But it's important to note that Saturday Night Live is not only a comedic institution that's been in place since the 1970s, it's also a place where dreams come true. SNL frontrunner Pete Davidson spoke out in an interview recently, saying, It goes to show the American dream is alive and well when somebody as untalented and unfunny as me can be paid millions of dollars to be a walking advertisement for birth control. I think it goes without saying that Pete Davidson is a human stain. But don't take my word for it. Let's tap into some of the comedic genius that is Saturday Night Live. And now, live from Mar-a-Lago, it's the Fox News Ukrainian Invasion Celebration Spectacular with your hosts, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. <laughs> I'm Tucker Carlson. I'm like if a pair of boat shoes came to life. And I'm Laura Ingram, and when I watch Harry Potter, I root for Voldemort. <laughs> now, Laura, we got into a little bit of trouble for all the nice things we said about Russia and the mean things we said about Ukraine. Right. We did sound pretty awful in hindsight and foresight. Yeah. <laughs> I kept asking, why do we hate Putin? Aren't liberals in America even worse? Right, and I called the president of Ukraine pathetic. He stayed and fought with his people in the war, and I called him pathetic from a news desk in Washington. I kept saying we should be more worried about our own border getting invaded by Mexico. But, in my defense, I am racist, so I thought that was true. It's important to note that Saturday Night Live is filmed in front of a live studio audience of at least three people, one of whom came forward and had this to say. SNL has become so bad that at one point, I fell asleep, woke up, thought I was still dreaming, walked out on stage, and no one seemed to notice. I think it goes without saying as well that anyone who enjoys watching SNL today, and everyone involved in the production and the making of SNL today, you are all collectively the skid mark of the week. all the time that we have available for you today. But uh, we will be releasing an additional episode tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern, um, going over what's going on in the schooling system right now. Um, definitely check that out. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. But uh, in any event, I am your host, Joshua Stanko, as always, saying stay safe, guys, stay informed, and God bless. We'll catch you next time.